Hello and welcome to our fourth Saga Connects episode with our Saga Alumni Department. Today in our Saga Connects episode, we have three special guests, very, very special. And our topic of discussion today is the faculty or the field of psychology, not one that I'm particularly familiar with. I am your host, Beza Koja, and today we'll be talking about psychology. Today we have with us Mishti, Iman and Suzanne, who are very, very important people in their fields. Well, important to me anyway. Um, and I'll have them introduce themselves. Mishti, can I'll get first, started. You'd like? Yes. Um, so my name is Mishti Koshu and I am a third year uh, student at University of New South Wales. I am currently studying Bachelors of Advanced Science Honours, majoring in psychology and neuroscience. Um, I'll introduce myself. So my name is Iman Hamid. I'm currently in my third year, similar to Mishi, um, third year in psychology um, honours at the University of Western Sydney in um, the Parramatta campus. Um, Hi, I'm Suzanne, and I've actually graduated, so I'm currently in my fields um, working for six, uh, sorry, seven months now, and um, I'm working with an NDIS provider, so I'm a provisional psychologist and a behaviour support practitioner. So I finished my um, Bachelor in Psychology Honours, and I'm doing the four plus two internship at the moment. Okay, that sounds good. As I've said, very, very important people in the field of psychology. Um, I'll note that we are actually having this podcast, sadly, online due to the very prominent, I guess, prevalent lockdown that we're experiencing. So, But we're still going to have the aura, the um, excitement. It, it, won't, it won't leave. So I'll get, I'll get straight into it because um, I'm sure we're all excited to talk about psychology. So um, first question, I guess, is what initially motivated you to pursue psychology? Why not plumbing? Why not Olympic swimming, if that is a career path? Why, why psychology? Are we going in the same order? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, any, any order. If right. you've got an idea, shoot. Straight um, away. <laughs> I'll shoot it away. So I became interested in psychology when I was in year 10, And I think the main purpose that still drives me to pursue this career is my interest um, in observing people's behavior. That's what got me interested when I was in E10 into why people behave the way they do and how um, their environment actually influences them, especially peers around. Like observing my friends during high school and the different personalities that I came across during high school really um, made me interested in seeing what are the different personality traits and what role um, does the environment play in building in person's emotions and the decisions that they have. So I think that's my driving force. My particular interest in psychology is social and developmental, especially amongst children and adolescents. So I do, um, you know, want to pursue my career further on in that field, um, so that will be quite exciting. So that's what drove me to continue this and pursue this as a career. That's nice. That's really cool. Um, similar to Michelle, I've always had this curiosity. Um, like I've always been intrinsically curious about my surroundings and people. Um, I didn't really 
decide to do psychology until actually after I got my results. I was very set on law. Um, I really wanted to do law. Um, and after the legal studies exam, I was just like, I can't imagine doing this for four years. <laughs> like, I can't imagine studying it, um, studying like this for another four years. And also, I felt like I started to get more interested in psychology through the subject of um, PDHP that I was studying, um, part of my HSC. And there was um, one part of the syllabus was that we had to choose like a prevalent um issue in in Australia and in the medical field um and I chose mental health and just going into it and understanding mental health and understanding how prevalent it is so I remember something that really struck me and I remember speaking to my teacher after was when we realized that actually the prevalence um so the leading cause of death among people um aged 15 to 44 I think is actually suicide and for me when I first found out about that statistic um, like as a 17-year-old um, youth, I was really, um, that really bothered me. And it really also like almost triggered some alarms, like something is really wrong if 12-year-olds and um, and people my age, I almost felt like it was a responsibility that I had to pursue and understand where the gap is that's causing all of these, um, this large statistic. And definitely, I just want to add oh. on to that to say, um, you know, currently I've been also watching the news and reading it and the amount of numbers that have increased in the mental health emergencies um, among teenagers has like rised in like such a high stake and the amount of calls that lifelines and helplines are getting every day I think it just makes it much more important for more people to study in this career so they can provide the support out there in different um, platforms, whether it's online, whether it's, you know, therapy sessions, whether it's just having the knowledge of what they actually want, what do people want, what kind of support they want. I think that's really important. I agree, yeah. Um, My one's a bit different. Uh, So with my kind of entrance to this kind of field was um, actually I got an early offer which made me consider it. What my story was, I actually wanted to become a, a paramedic. So that was kind of my, um, I was like, yep, that's it. I was quite set in stone with that. Um, and I think the, at the time of my graduation or leading up to that, it was a new um, course and only, I think only Western Sydney offered at the time. So I was like, yep, that's, that's what I'm doing, quite set on it. And then, as I said, um, when the early offer came, that was that kind of poked poked the beehive and I started to consider it. Um, and I kind of took that took that option because I'm I like science but I like social work as well. So I thought I thought psychology was quite on the fence with that. And then looking a bit more into it, you can actually go in so many different fields um, with a degree of psychology as well. So you can work in organisations, you can work in hospitals, um, you can also work in, like, school settings. So you've got different settings, which is something I personally like, having that flexibility to work in different fields, as well as working with um, a spectrum of humans. So you can work with very, very young kids as well as um, mature age adults as well. So I think that broad, broad spectrum gave me like areas to play around with so to speak so I can actually choose and the the fact that you know human the mind and how that affects the behavior and simple abstract thoughts and how that really defines our um 
our behavior and models our life is quite interesting. So I think year by year, I was just like, yeah, this is really for me. So it's kind of like a pop-in notification of an early offer. And then I was like, yeah, look, actually this worked out for me. So that's kind of my story. It wasn't like, yeah, I'm just like from an early age. But um, yeah, so it was, it was quite good. I'm quite happy that it worked out because it's really for me. As cliche as that might sound for anyone that really likes what they're doing, um, I really see myself in the future, you know, with, pursuing this in different fields as well so yeah it's, it's really nice to hear i mean it's like they, it's nice that you want to help people through your profession i think i think that's really nice okay um so you, you're you're all doing psychology and it looks like you're pretty set in it i mean we're all at least third year into the course um was psychology something you always wanted to pursue so for example my brother when he was younger he wanted to become a horse and I know children, you don't, you're not only one thinking, I want to become a clinical psychologist. It's, um, did you want to pursue something before it, sort of, I guess, that way? Okay, so um, I went through quite, I wouldn't say lots of career options, but I did go through a bit. I remember for the longest time, I wanted to be a teacher and I think those teaching um, genes are still in me. Like I love teaching, uh, you know, youngsters and even those that are around me and helping them out. I think teaching has always been something I've loved to do. I think it was until year eight or year nine where I thought um, like I changed that I wanted to be a scientist. So from a teacher, it went to a scientist. I wanted to work in labs um, And I think one thing I would like to really say when we're choosing our careers, at least for me, it's to what really did the turn for me, like the turning stage for me was I did an internship at Victor Chang Institution in E10, which was an insight into how a scientist is like, how a researcher is like. And that gave me an insight that Mishni, a scientist, is not for you. I am a very social, extrovert, bubbly person, and I cannot for the life of mine, stay with rats, mice, zebras and investigate and research with them. I just can't. Even in psychology, there are many supervisors, obviously I'm looking into as we're heading to honours next year, that work with animals. And I can, you know, with all my heart say, I have crossed them out that I do not want to work with them because I cannot work with animals. So um, especially I would like to share one incident. There was this one researcher that I was, that I met during my internship and he spent 10 years working on a family pedigree to research the rare genetic disease, which was autosomal recessive. And I was 10 years on one family pedigree. That is like, I think that shook me. I was like 10 years of dedication onto one project. I really like applaud and hands down to people that can, you know, with limited human interactions. Um, I genuinely need human interactions. So I really thought, <laughs> Psychology was my field. After that, started looking at other career options um, after my journey. And even in E12, halfway through, um, I wanted to be an optometrist. So I think there were three journeys I went through for careers, a teacher, a scientist, and an optometrist. Those were my three big ones until I think psychology was always on the back of my mind, but I prominently didn't say it or think about it till I was in E12 when I think, like Susanna Blois was saying, the early offers were coming around. That's when things were changing. Like, okay, what can I really apply for? Um, and what will suit, you know, the personality that I have and what will go nicely with my passion and also with the profession I want to get into. So that's my mini story. 
So you've got Thank a journey. You that's that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that was really interesting. The, that Victor Chang um, experience must have been very interesting. Yes, um, eye-opening, yeah. definitely. <laughs> I actually had some something similar where during work experience, but I went to a law firm for work experience and I went to a criminal law firm. And I'm not even joking, the, the lawyer just kept telling me, do not pursue law. It's just like, it's like, it was like, it's the worst decision I've ever made. Cause he's like, you deal with problems on a constant basis. There's just never, never anything happy happening in my job. Um, and I like basically shadowed him for an entire week. We went to like some courts, we were in the office and I just, I, I personally am very similar to you, Mishi, in the sense that I like to, um, I like to explore and I don't like to be sort of limited in one um, setting. So I really liked that psychology can offer me that, but I honestly never considered psychology until after all, like my marks were out and after I had actually gotten the first wave of offers because I think it was partly because of a stigma in our community as well, like who would study psychology and all of that. Um, But also I was really set on law to the point that everyone like everyone just saw me as a lawyer because I think I was a really good debater. I was really good in school at like just expressing my point. Um, and I remember like meeting some friends after school, like maybe first semester semester of uni and they all thought that I was doing law and they were like, but I've told my parents and like my siblings that you're like pursuing law. And I'm like, I didn't end up taking that, that field. But I also considered teaching definitely because I do, um, I do definitely see that I have some sort of um, interest in teaching and I like you said I I feel like at the back of my mind there's always teaching Um, and I do definitely want to incorporate my psychology with um, with the school system but I just felt like I couldn't I personally couldn't be a teacher because I didn't really agree with the school system like after learning so much about these mental health rates and and learning um, and, and going through the system myself, I, I didn't really agree with a lot of the things that they prioritised. So I was like, I can't really be in a system. And I remember being like, so um, idealistic, saying, no, I'm not going to do teaching. Instead, I'm going to change the system by pursuing psychology. I've gone through that phase for sure. Like I wanted to be <laughs> yeah, on stage and change everything. Yeah. Literally, same. I wanted to get the most disadvantaged school and be like, I wanted to be the principal and just <laughs> do all of that. But in the end, I really feel like psychology is for me. Um, and it's it's not something that like uni isn't something that you go into the course and you're like, oh, I 100% think that this is my place. It's actually like as you do more units, as you interact with more people, as you have more experiences, then I think that sort of um, cements your place in that course. Yeah, I agree. I know people that have been, that have studied in a specific course that they were so passionate about for two or three years and then something happens, they learn something or something happens along the way and they just completely change direction. It's, it's really interesting. I know someone that went into what the film industry, I don't even know what it's called, and he really didn't like it, so he went into education. It's like a, a 180 turn. It was very interesting. Yeah. Um, excuse me with this one I think I've already answered the previous kind of blurb that I said so paramedics yeah I don't think I've had anything before that as well it's been a while so it's definitely like disintegrated into my memories far far into small particles so I think um yeah the main thing that stood out for me particularly was the paramedicine um course and then and then psychology so yeah 
I know the Bezo is a facilitator, but Susan Abla, I would like to ask you as a psych student as well, what, which field are you in? Do you like working with children, adolescents, or um, since you are working, so it's quite exciting to hear from a person who's working in the field or like adults, like what do you find interesting? Um, so currently I've had a bit of a spectrum. So I've had clients that are um, like senior primary school, year five, year six, and I've also had like 70 year olds, you know, as well. So 70, um, oh wow. Like 16, late 60s, 70s. So it's it's quite the spectrum because we're working with NDIS as well. Um, I always liked working with children with the thought that, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to communicate things and teach skills to youngsters when, you know, they don't have that, um, I guess, those skills and that, the knowledge as solidated as adults do. Um, but given my current experience, I think I still would like to work with adolescents and like children. Um, yeah, I think there's there's a bit of a spectrum. I do like interacting with youngsters. There's so much we can learn. And I think the biggest thing with my current job is that I'm learning the most. Like, <laughs> you're there as the therapist, but there's so much you learn about yourself. And then you're like, well, like, they teach you a lot too, which is, you know, I guess the clients don't know that as well, which is interesting. But it's definitely a give and take. This whole interaction that we have as humans is quite give and take. So I think... Um, I do like taking from youngsters, as that sounds a um, bit odd, but I definitely do. They've got mm-hmm. skills like looking at, um, I guess, the new generation. The more we get older, the gap between the new generation definitely increases. So there's different types of thinking. They're, the culture that they grow up in is very different. Social teaching skills, it really changes them. So very much changes them. And I think um, keeping in touch with, you know, the youngsters is quite good for me I think the recent um saga event of the Korea Expo was quite good like I I it's like my vibe <laughs> I like um, interacting with youngsters so I definitely think I would pursue more um in that in the future in that kind of category so yeah I was at the, the, the nice Korea Expo me. your table was never empty you were always talking to someone it was it was very interesting to watch and I think it's really nice to have a career where I mean, it's you don't go into it knowing everything. I mean, with especially with psychology, I think you're always talking to new people, you're getting to know people, you're helping new people. And in that process, you're learning new things. You're developing yourself as well as helping them develop yeah, themselves. And psychology, yeah. And psychology itself is a fairly new science. So yeah. it's like every couple of years we do get new discoveries and like we're constantly new. having to learn. And it's all theories. Like none of it's actual like concrete evidence that this is the case because humans are just so diverse. You can't say that this is how a person will interact when they experience dot, 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 because there's so many times where they don't really, um, they don't react the way that we expect them or the theories actually say that they do. Yeah, that's so true. And I think in my current role as well, it's very important to do like a correct case formulation because they could present similar um, let's say symptoms of the particular diagnosis. However, th- what that is triggered by or what that is fostered by is very different. So it's quite, you can't kind of touch the very important point. There's theories and it's just about kind of almost trialing error with some of the mm-hmm. clients. Like this is what we've got. 
um, and they need to trial that and see what's effective for them. So it's quite yeah. versatile and almost very fluid in that aspect where it's case-based scenarios under the shelter yeah. of psychology. So yeah. which keeps you on your toes, definitely, for people who I think it's awesome. Yeah, I'll say it's like the field of, like, I think I'm going to be ever learning in psychology. It doesn't matter how experienced a psychologist can become, 10 years, 11 years, anything. I think they're always going to be students. Like, that's how I call it. Because the theories, like um, Iman was saying, they may be there or they may be, you know, replicated many times. But knowing this changing world that we have with so many vast experiences, especially in the 21st century, through social media, through people that are, you know, having different uh, experiences that they haven't had before. Usually we were in a very confound world where traveling wasn't a um, big thing back then and people were just known to have similar experiences if they lived in a similar town or a similar, you know, place. But now I think with so much movement and social media and interactions, I think the environment really makes a big difference and that's what the current studies um uh, you know, still replicating and still trying to implement those theories in the in our situation right now. I think that's those 1900s theories, they have to replicate well in the 21st century. That's the gap that we have to fill now. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I feel like psychology is going to be an ever-changing um, sure. what, thing. Yeah, especially if you're going to do it in HSC. I feel like the curriculum is constantly going to be changing. So yeah. I wish I would love I would love, like, that's another point I wanted to add it. If psychology was in HSC, like, as a subject, like legal studies, I would have definitely done teaching. I love teaching psychology. And I, if I'm not wrong, I think Melbourne has it. Yeah, Melbourne has psychology. Subject. I would move, yeah. but I love Sydney too much to move to <laughs> Melbourne just for psychology. So I'd rather just pursue psychology and maybe in future teach at university, a tutor or a lecturer. I think I'll do that. Instead. Yeah, I, I completely um, like went through the exact same path as you were. I was like, I was trying to look all around Australia for some sort of double degree with teaching and psychology. And I was so weirded out that there isn't like they work so well together. Why isn't there a degree that offers both at the you same need to time? Make yes, we should. <laughs> I'm doing an education degree and I think we can work together where if I can be a part of NESA, I can work with you guys and try to get psychology into the the education, uh, New South Wales yes. education area. And we actually have, I did a unit last year called Educational Psychology. And it was it was interesting. That's the very little psychological knowledge I have regarding this topic. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, regarding psychology, um, different types of psychology what are the steps and pathways to become a psychologist because correct me if i wrong if i'm wrong but i know with medical degrees there's many different pathways you can take to reach your final degree uh, diploma so what pathways have you taken and what pathways do you know of that can be taken pablo do you want to go first since i think you're the most experienced <laughs> no, with time um... comes wisdom with age comes wisdom <laughs> I think we're all learning, but um, with particularly my one, I did mention earlier, I did the um, bachelor's degree. So I did bachelor of psychology and then I graduated with bachelor of psychology and honors with this one. It's to be quite frank, it was a very much on the go learning process for me. It was, you know, it's just like, okay, what's the next step? And it would be very soon. So I'd learn on the go as to what it requires to become a registered psychologist. Um, that's what I'm quite passionate about. Anyone that wants to know about psychology, I'm happy to speak about because 
know how long your road is and what it encounters as well in order to prepare yourself. Um, so with my one, I got into, as I said, Bachelor of Psych. Um, but the only thing is to graduate from Bachelor of Psychology, you need to finish off your honours, which is the fourth year, which requires entry um, according to a specific mark. If um, things don't work out and you don't get into honours or you don't want to pursue that kind of pathway, um, even if you start off with Bachelor of Psychology, I was told that you graduate with um, Bachelor of Psychological Studies. So as far as I know, you can basically get into psych um, or kind of have like a, a double degree almost or do a minor or major from any sort of psychological study, social science. Um, but in terms of what I did, yeah, I just did the four and then the master's is an, also an option. So I do know that the four plus two is fa phasing out. So I'm not sure when the last batch is. That July, I was going to tell you, like, next, yeah. me and Iman won't be able to do <laughs> that. Yeah, it's so sad we're the last year. I know. But you're the last batch probably, Abla, because we yeah. can't do that. It's in July. They said, I've read mm. the new um, system and everyone was shocked that it's phasing out and now it's yep. only masters left and it's only the five yeah. plus one with the psychology the psychology yeah. exam that you have to see they got rid of the yeah. third one i wonder why yeah. i'm quite curious i was like i hope you knew about it because i know yeah um to be quite frank i'm not sure of the exact reasons but the, this was definitely something that was in conversation um throughout my uni years as well it's like oh, guys four plus two is phasing out is phasing out yeah. obviously things take a lot of process um a lot of time to get processed so um yeah i do believe I guess last year might have been the last batch to be included yeah. but yeah nonetheless moving forward it's the five plus one and that requires any sort of masters in the first year which is the fifth year and then the sixth year is the the prac that you would do um I'm interested I guess anyone that's interested can look into different unis and what they offer um and how that works but generally it's just the five plus two um it's quite consistent um in terms of I just have a question, like, um, like, you know, the four plus two that you're doing, does that mean, do you have theory work in it or you're working as a provisional psychologist and do you have to do log hours or anything if if you have a supervisor under you? I just wonder how that works. Yeah, so with the four plus two, it's like, to cut it short, it's full-time work, full-time study almost because you're in a full-time work mm -hmm. and you need to, in order to finish the two years you need to do full-time which requires um, a certain number of hours per week um, so you're working full-time and then you have like a whole load of um, to-do lists so weekly loggings weekly reflections you've got um, about, about eight case reports to finish throughout you've got other sort of um, like uh, in tests and scales and assessments that you need to be quite familiar with and then you need to get tested and see if you're you know um, if you're suitable if, if you've covered the outlines and things like that so there's definitely a whole list of things that you need to go by um, and you have that weekly supervision who you know you chat with to make that progress throughout the two years as well that makes so, sense do you don't have to write a thesis right no oh okay yeah so it's, it's basically yeah just it's yeah. all practice-based. Okay. That makes sense. That's yeah. a quite interesting, um, if only I had the choice, that was a great option to work and learn. But I think our other options are pretty good as well. We'll get the prac experience um, as required in the other fields. 
So what I'm aware of, like Beza, you said, what are the other pathways? Like I was going to do bachelor's of psychology honors at UNSW, but I think there are many pathways and the pathway that I took is through advanced science honors. And the biggest reason I took this is I wanted another major. I just didn't want psychology as my major. I wanted to incorporate neuroscience, which is one of the most emerging sciences with psychology because I'm learning the more technical side like of what is happening in our brain chemically um, at the same time what's the relevance with the theory so that's why I took bachelors of advanced science and measured in these two areas people can also do it through bachelor of science a bachelor of arts I've heard um, this degree was the best because it allowed me to do um, again meet, meeting the certain mark uh, required me to do honors in Uh, psychology so I think it gave me that advantage of still keeping the exact same pathway as the psychology students but having that extra major in there as well so that's what I was excited about Um, hopefully again masters is quite competitive as well I must say in psychology Um, you know I've been looking into many unis and at least I know I can give assurance in my uni that it's quite high like for masters you have to get 85 plus which is uh, first class honours uh, at UNSW and get that. And I think that's across. I've looked at every uni. Um, all of them have that threshold, either if it's for Masters of Clinical Psychology or Masters of Forensic Psychology. And Macquarie University also offers Masters of Neuropsychology as well. So those are the three Masters that I'm aware of. Um, and another thing that I recently researched into is uh, the five plus one pathway, which I wasn't much aware about, if I'm honest, um, because I never looked into it much because I was so aware of the four plus two, like masters straight away. So when I looked into that, um, I found in ANU, Australian National University, which I found quite, um, you know, I would say attractive, like another field that I'm looking into uh, is Masters of Professional Psychology, which was happening after your three years of psychology, then you can do, this doesn't require honours, so you do three years of psychology and then two years of Masters of Provisional Psychology, which is all practical-based, and then um, at the end of the fifth year, you'll sit the exam, yes, you have to sit the psychology, the national exam to be qualified. And then you have to sit your practice, you have to do your practical as well. So it's more like a practical version of honours. When I read their label, that's how ANU describes it. It's like, if you don't want to do the research-based thesis in psychology, you can pursue this degree and have a, a more practical experience. But obviously, that comes with the exam later on to test your knowledge, if you are ready to become a registered psychologist. So those is that's what I know about the pathways that's my research basically that sounds very exciting uh, the idea that you don't need to go through honors but um from what I know I only I've only sort of researched um the western sydney pathway Mm -hmm. so throughout western sydney I'm I'm enrolled in the bachelor of psychology honors which means that the honors is already um part of the, the the degree um and I know lots of people in my course that are just doing a Bachelor of, um, of Social Science majoring in psychology, um, and that's just the three-year degree. But what's the difference between the um, honours and the social science or anything else is that, as I said, you get directly into honours if you reach the, the certain requirements. So the requirements at Western Sydney is that you have a credit average, so that's 70 over in every single level two and three units. Um, and then once you do that, that's when you get an automatic, um, so an automatic um, admission into honors, which is fourth year, and then for you to get into masters, you have to have um, you have to have like a certain GPA, and you have to have 
um, received either first class or second class honours. Um, it is competitive throughout the entire way because, um, like, as I said, you have to constantly maintain that um, that that credit average. So it's not one of those degrees where, like, the um, you get to pass and, and then graduate. Um, it's very different. And that's something that, as Susan said, um, it's, it's something that's actually not told. Um, usually when people start psychology, like, we think that it's just four years. It's just like any other degree. But it's actually completely different in the sense that, there's these constant um, times where they almost filter people out. So they filter people out in third year almost, um, because if you don't receive that 70 average, then that's around, um, that, that those people just graduate with a Bachelor of Psychological Science and then the other people go into honours. And there are limited places in honours. Yes. And then from honours, if you don't... Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. So in honours, if you don't receive first class or second class honours or you don't receive a GPA that is... Um, good enough to get into master's and you don't have the interview, uh, you don't pass the interview and you actually can't get into master's. So again, they filter out more people then. Um, and it is constantly competitive. So it's like constantly keeping us on our toes. Yes. Um, because oh my God. we're, we're looking like at the next it, step. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, and I just think, to, I, yes, Abla, you go. I was just going to add no, something no, to Iman's uh, point. Yeah, you can go and then I'll go okay. after. It was just a point to add, not to discourage people, especially, you know, yeah. year 12s coming on, that it's so competitive, you can't get in. Like, I don't want to discourage them and add a point um, to that is even if you're doing the three years, and that's something I've looked into because um, at my uni, the bar is even higher. I don't know why, but it's 75 plus, distinction ramp and above um, to get in. So another thing I've looked into is even if you finish three years, you can do um, the postgraduate uh, at psychology, adva psychology advanced postgraduate diploma, which is equivalent to yeah. honours as well, which a lot of people do um, online and then they do master's. So basically I think there's so many ways, like through yeah, honours, yeah. through the grad diploma, then through either the, um, you know, the there's even colleges out there. Psychology, there's yeah. lots of options. I don't think we should be discouraged at all if you're not receiving the marks because at the end of the day, I don't think marks really determine anything because there are some uh, parts of psychology you'll be stronger at compared to others. Like yeah. my strength personally is developmental psychology and social psychology. And my <laughs> And my weakness is physiological psychology, which all about, so that's something I'm not strong at but there's your strengths. So I think you just need to tell what are your strengths and weaknesses and work according to them, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was good that you mentioned the graduate diploma as well, uh, Mishti. It was actually on my mind. Um, that's actually another way to get in as well, as you mentioned, which is definitely, you know, an option that we should consider in our journey of psychology as well. Yeah. I just kind sure. of wanted to add the the other master's um, that Macquarie offers, I didn't see another uni offer it. It's Masters of Organisational um, Psychology, which yeah. really works with, um, well, at the end of it, you're able to get into more government-based um, agencies, schools and things like that. So anyone who wants to, um, I guess, have a, a positive impact to like schools and more um, government-based, uh, I guess, companies and organisations can definitely take that path as well, um, which is something good to consider because I guess that once again shows us the, the spectrum that we can work within psychology as well so yeah there right. definitely is a spectrum and I know that when um like before I considered psychology I sort of considered um consulted with so many people um about how how difficult or how easy it is for me to sort of achieve that 
um, those marks and to, to just continuously um, like get through to the next stage, if that makes sense. Like as psychology students, I'm not too sure if both of you can relate, but it's almost like constantly waiting to get into the next stage. It's never like, um, yep. like even if you get in, it's not like you're guaranteed in, but again, this is like, it's not something to to um, scare you. It's actually really exciting because um, it sort of motivates you to keep trying to, um, and it motivates you to also stay conscious. Like I know lots of people just start um, a degree and then they just know that they'll graduate. But for us, we're constantly looking at different pathways. We're looking at where we're interested in, reanalyzing, reevaluating according to last year, like which masters we want to go, what honors we want to do. Um, so it's really exciting in that sense. I definitely agree with that. I think it's that spark of motivation that you really need to have because I feel like even if I get into honours or if I'm doing yeah. the GLAD uh, Psychology Advanced Diploma, you're still going to have that, I need to do well in this to get into Masters. And then Masters, I need to do well in this so then I can, you know, be a good psychologist yeah. and help um, clients out. So I think it's always that constant motivation. It's I think yeah. it, it's really passion driven. Like a lot of jobs are passion driven, but I think in psychology, like Abla was saying, you need to know the length or how long are you into in this this game. And if you come in the thought that it's a short degree, like some degrees out there, you're really going to burn out after the third year and be like, I thought that was it. Like I think we really can't think that because you got to keep going constantly. So that's really important. Yeah. So many people have said the irony of that because it's like you're studying mental health, but this this process almost like really depletes your mental health slowly because yeah. you're constantly um, in like what's next mode. Um, I think we have um, the next question yes. um, in the chat. Let's see. The next one that says, is entering the program for clinical psychology as competitive as they say? I think we've addressed that. Yes, it is. I can't say it, it in is, any yeah. better way than possible. I haven't seen an easier way out. I've read posts about psychologists, especially in Macquarie Uni. I was looking at some of their posts. They're like, in our uni, a lot of our um, you know students are older. Like you would expect people to like, you know, get yeah. into masters straight away. But they're like, oh, they're yeah. quite older because you know it takes a while people go and I think that's really good in psychology I love the fact I know a lot of um, people that do their three years or four years and go and work there as therapists as counselors come back with the experience and do masters and I think they add so much to their own degree and their knowledge when they're doing that because they don't they're not coming with just the theoretical knowledge I think that's the pros and cons I always weigh out when I'm in third year right now trying to also be like okay should I start applying as a therapist or counselor or should I continue also continue obviously doing honors because it's always I don't have experience who's going to hire me and at the same time it's like but I need experience because I don't want to get into the field like but I, I think Susan Abla is saying the right thing which is just like you're learning as well the give and take like I don't think I can ever go into a session and be like I know like all it is and I'm going to give the best to the client, which you always do. But I think it's quite exciting to hear from you that you're also learning and the clients are not aware about it. And I think that's quite good. Yeah. yeah. I think um, like adding on to that, I definitely agree with in terms of just going back, back slightly about, you know, being prepared for what's to come. Because if we don't, as you mentioned as well, it's just like, all right, I'm done. That's it. And it's actually not the case. So I think, um, given any game that we might play as well, we need to know the rules and the instructions, what everything entails, what levels there are in order to best pursue and, I guess, um, have like a fruitful journey as well. So, 
that's yeah. definitely very important. Um, and there's a lot more individuals doing psychology now. So it's not like, um, you know, there's only like few people doing it. There's a lot of people out there that you can even just Google like clinical psychologists and there's heaps that come around and just giving them a phone call, sending them an email, I'm quite sure they'll get around to it or their receptionist and just kind of get their insight because they're, you know, a lot more, as you mentioned, older and people take different routes at different ages as well, which is quite exciting because it's not, you know, the whole, all right, let's graduate uni, let's quickly do our masters and quickly start working. Whereas, you know, it's nowadays it's about really making sure you're content with your process and your journey as well as um, achieving those goals that you want as well. Yeah. So I think that I agree, really yeah. taps into your mental state as well. Like getting high marks is very important. Yes. But if you get very high, very high, but you're not able to give and your cup's What's empty the at the end of it, yeah. then yeah. Yeah. That's like what is true. the point is really the question. So That's I think in terms of like, for example, keeping high marks. I know there's very studious students out there to be like high marks means like I'm a good student, but I think psychology also teaches you or like personally taught me um, my deficits and things to question about myself. Like, why do I think this way? Why am I acting so in this way? So in terms of tips and tricks to, as the question also says in the chat, so tips and tricks about keeping your marks high. I think making sure that you you address different aspects of your life. We're not just a study robot, you know. We need to make sure that our social skills, we're interacting with people, we're having, you know, um, our physical health, we're addressing that aspect of ourselves um, in terms of spirituality, mental, in order to best be fruitful. And that's going to definitely reflect yeah. in your studies as well. I agree. So that's very true. I think that's something that we miss, as you mentioned, Iman, as well, like, we're advocating for something and then sometimes we miss ourselves. We're like, oh, what yeah. about my health? What about my deep breathing? <laughs> That's very I, true. How much do I do it? So, yeah. Uh, I think many times good to tap in I with think, colleagues as well. I think many times um, like our cohort and, you know, my friends will be thinking, we're like, we're doing a psych degree. Like, are we not supposed to be at good mental health ourselves? Like, why are we, you know, overburning and being like, oh, my God, because you're consciously, I don't, I think we've all felt that knowing that we have to get high marks. We're consciously aware. Like when I submit an assignment or do an exam, it's always at the back of the mind. I, you know, I need to get this, 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 because obviously yeah. to keep that high GPA or to keep that high WAM. But another thing that I want to say, one of my friends, um, she's introduced this really good, she's from a non-psychology background, but she really loves that field. And uh, I think I really want to share this is whenever she talks to us, um, you know, usually we always say, how are you? Okay. And everyone's like, I'm good. And she really laughed from last year. She started um, changing that because she was like, it doesn't make sense. What's I'm good. Like, I don't want to know your, like, I know there's more. So every time we talk now, she's introduced the four main aspects, which is everyone needs to answer the questions accordingly. How are you physically? How are you mentally? How are you emotionally? And how are you spiritually? And I think I love that. Like she's from a non-psychology background. And I think she's taught me that, that was one of the best tricks to implement. And in my clients, if I have to implement that in future, I will, because she covers all the four aspects. And I think 
such a great way to ask people how are you because I think we're really um, that habit of I'm good or not too bad. It's so habitual that when I'm on when I'm at work with client like with my patients, I'm just going. They're like, "How are you?" I'm like, "I'm good, thank you." How are you? Like, it's just you won't even be good yet. You'll still be saying, yeah. "I'm good, thank you." So I think that's a really yeah, nice way to checking with yourself and also with your friends and family around you. Yeah, I'm going to quickly go back to the um, the question about um, is entering the program of clinical psychology as competitive as they say. So I was looking just before the podcast just to make sure that I have my information correct. It's actually, I'm pretty sure at UWS, um, around 100 people apply for clinical psych, but only 40 get accepted. So it is sort of competitive, um, whereas professional psych, I think around 400 apply and 100 get accepted. Um, so it's, it is competitive. Um, and just and I would say that... Pardon? I was just saying like only a quarter of the people get accepted, which is yeah. quite low. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and what tips have you used to keep your um, your marks high? Um, I wouldn't say I have a strict study routine. I think I just, I take it as it comes um, and just check in with myself. Um, I think it's really important that, that, like you said, we do take a break and we, we sort of um, ensure that we give ourselves the same compassion that we would give others. So just making sure that if I'm busy yes. with work or busy with like my private life, that I'm, I'm able to, to sort of balance it all. Um, and I think there's another yes. question that says, when should an individual visit a psychologist? Um, can it be in regards to general stress about uni um, and other personal matters? Um, yeah, so personally, I'll answer that first. Um, personally, I actually started seeing a psychologist at the beginning of this year, um, not because I felt like something was wrong with me or, or not because I felt like I'm like I'm, I, I'm mentally ill, but it actually because I felt like I needed better coping strategies. I think the, the coping strategies that I've used for the last two, three years, I don't think they actually um, were were being useful, um, were useful at my current point um, in life. So I just, I remember my first session with my psychologist was just um, when she asked like, why are you here um, and all of that. And it was just, I really want to better myself. I want to be able to deal with stress better. And I feel like um, going into this field, like, like I, like you said, it almost um, makes you really reflect on your own um, mental health and your own, um, your like, subconsciously you're always thinking about oh is this me do I have um like am I do I need assistance in this field and I think that it really allowed me to reflect and just remind myself that I also need to be stable for me to give like I need to fill my cup before I give to clients and I know personally that if I'm not mentally healthy I don't feel like I'll be able to serve my clients um or my patients the way that I want to so I think that's what motivated me to visit a psychologist um and I and all my friends now see psychologists because I just, I, I never stopped talking about it. I was like, it's the best thing that I've ever done. It's just like, I, I use, I usually do it over the phone because of COVID and, and it also my busy schedule. Like I felt like over the phone just really helps like one hour. It's like ranting to a friend that's like really like tells you the truth when you're doing something wrong or, or when you you have a bad thought pattern, she like calls you out for it. And it's something yeah. that genuinely has I would say is, has changed my life in the sense that I now question, like she's instilled a skill in me to question my own thoughts and to question my own beliefs, um, and which is amazing. 
I think that's really nice to hear about your experience um, because it got back to the point where last year during COVID when we went online, went to like fully online learning, um, I think probably three times I questioned if I was in the right field or was I, you know, made to do this field and do psychology and neuroscience because there are points when you have, and I think COVID has affected us all staying at home and, you know, just reflecting on what you're doing in life as well, because there were many points where I was like, am I emotionally strong enough to do this? Because it is a field where people are coming to you, sharing their problems, and you are there to help them out, guide them with the coping strategies, with the particular therapy, diagnose them, and then resolve the problem together. But at the end of the day, you have to be emotionally stable, like Iman, you mentioned, before you start giving that, um, you know, therapy to them as well. So I think when it comes to what shouldn't, like, I absolutely agree that stigma of only people who are ill go to psychologists or counsellors or therapists. I think that slowly, at least I hope, that um, it will slowly fade away um, because I think that's really important. And I personally work at a a medical centre where I know how many GPs Um, have written down referrals to psychologists and I get to read reports from psychologists which makes me also give how psychologists write like their writing skills as well and it makes me realize people these days at least where I'm you know the area I live in there's not as much stigma I would say because a lot of uh, patients will just call me um, and they'll be like can we book an appointment with a psychologist like this and how much do they you know um, charge or how is the therapy like what do they specialize in because I think that's what we want to say not every psychologist is for everyone I think that's really important I know some people that have had they've gone to a psychologist for two sessions and claimed that psychology is not for them or the psychologist is not for them I think they need to understand just like in the medicine field there are specialists in dermatology in you know cancer in cardiovascular in psychology, they're specialists as well. So they need to understand which kind of cases has everyone dealt with. Do they deal with anxiety? Do they deal with, you know, um, depression? Like which or PTSD? They need to know the different types and what do they specialize in. Um, that's what's really important. It's very individualized and you can't – I personally think when if you go to a psychologist, you need to complete either – the sessions that they recommend you like either five sessions or 10 sessions. I've heard a lot of my friends have gone once or twice and they haven't felt that it's improved a lot. So I think for the general, I would would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. After my second session, I I took like a three gap until I actually booked my other session because I was like, this isn't helping, but I had to constantly remind myself that actually the first two sessions are mainly to build rapport and like, to just familiarize yourself with the person like you are unloading like some some things that are quite personal to yourselves on another person obviously after two times two hours you're not going to feel like completely comfortable so it takes time to build that rapport and that's something that I've learned as well um but definitely to anyone that's watching this I would recommend that if you've had a negative experience with a psychologist please don't make a blanket statement that all psychologists are like this or psychology is not helpful like sometimes the psychologist is not for you and as psychologists we're actually taught to respect that like to respect that if someone comes to us after the first session and they really feel like they're uncomfortable then they are like we we need to release them and and also tell them that like um these are some other psychologists that I would recommend if you're not comfortable we need to be um like have that open conversation yeah definitely I think it's quite important to raise that as well because sometimes you know we go in 
or we hear clients going and being like, okay, they're going to resolve all our problems and we're going to hit it, you know, nail on the head and things like that. Whereas it's basically you need to vibe with this person as, yeah. as they say, like you literally need to, there's some people vibe more with, um, you know, younger people or some mature aged clients will be like, no, I don't want a young person. You're not experienced enough. So they have their own stigmas. So it's really about searching for um, the right, person for you not because yeah. psychologist is in you know not capable of anything but it's just like okay do you feel comfortable and I think that will definitely um allow for the the sessions in the future to be very fruitful as well because the the psychologist can only build rapport if you're not you know if you're not opening up to them how much can they build that rapport as well so I think very definitely true. um very good points that you both have raised about making sure that you don't close that door completely just because of that one experience. It does take time to go and attempt for the second time, but I think we should keep in mind that, yes, we should. Sometimes we're like, all right, let's take a break, but definitely going for that second, third, if not fourth time um, to attempt because essentially you're going to find someone at the end. Yeah, and, and, I, think, think, yeah, well. and I think something that's very important, I I really sometimes enjoy the analogy of like physical well-being because that's something that like as humans we're like, we jump when we see like some sort of physical problem, but with mental health, it's something that's usually, um, we don't really see it. It's usually um, in the shadows, but I would say that lots of people sometimes wait until they have a mental health breakdown or they have some sort of breakdown or some sort of crisis Mm. for them to go seek help. But just think about that from like a physical point of view. Like, do you wait for your arm to break or your arm to fall off? for you to seek help. Um, and I think that's something that's really important. Like psychologists can be there as a preventative um, measure. Like if you know that you're more stressed or that you're going into a highly stressful job or that you're entering a uni that's quite stressful, um, or maybe you're grieving um, a loss of something or someone, or you're just struggling during lockdown, I genuinely feel like it's important that we do take those preventative measures to ensure that we don't wait for a breakdown to go seek help. We, we do it um, continuously. Yeah, and that's I a very think, good point, Emma. I think, yes. No, that's good. I'll you. Um, I think, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, I think it's quite important what you said as well. Like we have people who go for regular checkups to the GP and sometimes there's, you know, that population where we wait till we're sick in bed and we're like, okay, I think we might need to go to the doctor now. So it's really about tapping into ourselves in the physical aspect as well as in terms of our mental health. So we come across different situations and as we grow older, different experiences require different skills, coping mechanisms. Um, So definitely going as a preventative measure, as you mentioned, is I think the smart behavior to do for us all. I know it's quite difficult personally speaking as well, Um, but in terms of getting that word out there and normalizing the talk about it as well is quite important to, to motivate our, you know, the youth as well as, you know, adults as well, because we have so many people who have grown up in that culture of like, you need to be able to manage your own emotions where it's such a big concept. Like let's not even get into the the conversation about subconscious, you know, conscious. So I think um, even normalizing it for them and considering that they must've gone through hardships as well. Yeah. And also, um, yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Um, But also, there's a massive stigma in our community. I I don't know if you two would agree, but if like something's wrong with you, then it's like your lack of Iman. It's like pray more, fast more, give more charity. Um, And that's something that I feel like is really problematic. 
um, and exactly what you were saying about you have to sort of face that stigma head on and 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 just um, even despite all of because you are going to get like so many people that say like why are you seeing a psychologist are you crazy why are you seeing a psychologist like just swallow a cup of concrete or yeah yeah, just pray or just like deal with it yourself your life's not hard there's like people all around the world that are like um, it's like they need to stop stop the comparison like that's a different field you know we deal with different problems I don't think we should compare big or small problems we should genuinely obviously raise awareness with the bigger problems that are out there currently in the world but we should not that doesn't mean we should neglect our own problems I think that's not the and going back to that the thought that I was thinking about a lot of people do neglect this which I have seen actually myself um during my work is people the moment they hear financial cost okay yes I do agree psychologists can be expensive sessions are expensive um but I think they need to know there are a lot of bulk bill psychologists out there that I'm aware of there are a lot of um helplines that are there that are for free um and there are a lot of healthcare plans that GPs are writing as well. So I, I think if you're if you are struggling with your financial aspect that I can't see a psychologist because I don't think it's worthy enough to spend you know a couple of hundred dollars for my mental health. Um, I'd rather do something else with it for my family. I think you need to understand that if your mental um, or your mindset is good, then only can you provide and do well in your other aspects of life especially for adults who avoid um, spending money on this side when they have a family and they have other responsibilities that they need to obviously attend to. I think that's something we need to raise awareness about, which ties in quite well with our next question that's being asked is, you know, how can we in our community be more open in regards to mental health? Um, And I think that's what we've been addressing. I think for me at the moment, I think with adolescents and children, they have a good awareness because of, I understand in our education system there's minor uh, emphases on mental health, but it is definitely increasing compared to when I was in school or compared to when, you know, our parents were in school. There was not much concept of this field at all. But I think what we really need to target and raise awareness among is adults, especially, you know, adults that are in their mid 40s in their 30s those that haven't really gone through the schooling that focused on mental health because I think they're the ones that need to understand how important it is so they can pass this message on to their kids as well and the kids don't feel like they can close their doors and they don't want to discuss this with their parents or even you know tell them that they're suffering mentally um, during this time so I think that's really important if you're having financial difficulties there are many ways especially in our country how you can address and see a psychologist yeah and also um i'm pretty sure due to covid we the government has increased how many um free sessions you do get so i'm pretty sure now due to covid your first um 20 sessions are actually free and there are so many additions so just maybe consult with your gp um or consult with someone that that knows about this and you can definitely get um some free sessions as well as part of um the government rebate system yeah, and I know that um, I'm going to jump in here. You guys don't need a facilitator. This conversation is going well on its way on its own. But just as a little addition, um, I know that some universities, especially mine, you want to study there, offer free psychology, um, yeah. I guess, sessions, sort of checkups. Schools do it too as, as for counselling as well. So I think there are so many opportunities out there to get 
um, a psycho uh, a session with a psychologist, and I think that's that's really important. Yeah, I definitely well. agree with you, Beza. There's very, as you girls mentioned as well, you pretty much covered all of it. There's also um, the EAP program that most organisations, if not all, are required to have for their for their workers to call. Um, if they're having any sort of, um, I guess, emo- they need any sort of emotional support. So I think for people who are working as well, um, it's quite good to use that because that goes under, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're actually speaking with a, basically a psychologist who can help you online as well. So I think it really cuts a lot of the travel for adults that might, you know, have kids or other commitments. So making use of that EAP program will be quite beneficial as well. Yeah. I think there was a final question, um, Beza, about what type of um, tips we give about managing stress. Um, was that I, a question or did I hallucinate? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's sort of a question. Uh, sorry for my bad audio. I've got some technical difficulties, <laughs> difficulties that I'm experiencing. Um, well, our next question sort of was, we're getting on the more psychological side of psychology. Um, the more of, I guess, the question is how do or how much do our emotions affect our day-to-day decisions, I guess? Are you opening a gateway here? Because I'm not sure if we've got that much time <laughs> to discuss this. Yeah. If we, if we can, if we can, I know you guys have so much to talk about. If we can keep it slightly general, if, if that is possible. Yeah. Yeah. How much time do we have left? Just um, so, so we, we know. know as well. Yeah. Um, minutes. Okay. I mean, we're not really tight on time. Fifteen minutes, but give or take. So. Okay. <laughs> I think um, with this, in terms of emotion affecting our decisions, I think it almost one-to-one ratio affects it. Um, the question might be, are we aware of how much it affects it? But I think emotions definitely affect our decisions because. You know, there's a whole concept of our thoughts, our cognition and how that affects our behaviour. And then we have this cyclical cycle of how that, you know, if you have negative thoughts, that affects your behaviour, your behaviour affects your motivation, and then it kind of goes back to the thought process. So it's have it has this um, cycle that it affects each other. So the deci- decisions would definitely be um, affecting your behaviour at the end of the day as well. So... How does our emotions affect in terms of our day-to-day will definitely be one-to-one ratio, as I mentioned as well. So I think you mentioned it quite clearly. The time speaking, so probably. (laughs) I don't know if I have much to add. Abla's quite clearly, I think, the most summary way, because I think I'll start, because when I thought of this question, all I was thinking about was the theories and, like, you know, the the case studies, but obviously we don't have time to get into it. That's why I think Abla gave a quite good summary about what it is and how important our emotions are, because I think the moment you're in a bad mood, it can totally change the decision you make about that circumstances. But if you go back and you take that decision again in a different mood, you'll come up with a different result. So I think emotions really play a big role and we need to learn how to control our emotions, especially during difficult circumstances. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I just want to quickly mention something um, regarding my conversation with the client. So I had a client, he was quite um, hard to get in contact with. At the end of the day, we did. And he was just like, 
like why how is talking going to solve anything and it's generally a question you get like I can talk to my parents I can talk to my partner I can talk to my friend and whatever it is but you know I think the value of speech is I think very undermined and hence why it has direct correlation with how we perceive um, psychology and the benefits of psychology and therapy as well so with at the end of the day, what the conversation was with my client was like, you know, speaking out things allow us to be more conscious about our thoughts. It's very hard to think of our thoughts when they're all up there and they're very clouded, right? So generally um, speaking about it helps. You know, we also spoke about like journaling things could help. What my journaling point is, is with so this good. kind of little... Can I just, I just want to add up, yeah. like you can continue, it's, it's, but I want to say journaling is the best thing I've ever explored as a psychologist. Me too. <laughs> me too. Questions <laughs> flowing there, like they just flow. And I come out of yeah. writing and I'm like, oh, that was so good. It feels like I had a session. It's like a self-session. That's what I call journaling. You yeah. give a therapy to yourself. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's why um, sometimes we need to draw the relationship be- between how our thoughts affect our behaviour and how or what sort of techniques we can use in order to clear out our thoughts. Because if we don't have clear thoughts, we don't understand our emotions. And generally the problem or the the consistent concern in us humans is that we're not able to identify the emotions if we're not, which come out as behaviors. So generally we have clients like verbal aggression, physical aggression. When you look at the root cause of this, it's communication issues or not being able to realize what really frustrates them. So these are all thought processes, right? But, if we're not able to get to the root of our thoughts, which are very strongly tied to our emotions, we're very, um, it direct, which directly affects our behaviours and decisions, we're not able to really solve the problem. So I think yeah. getting the word out about, you know, the benefits of speaking and I think even social yeah, media I, I as well. Yeah, I agree Like I don't want to um, jump from topic to topic, yeah. but I think with social media, like I – Reading is definitely a very good thing, but I feel like making use of social media, which where most young people are as well, is quite important. There's a lot of doctors, PhD um, individuals out there who share a lot of good content. So I think using that as a stepping stone to introduce ourselves to the concept and I guess the benefits of psychology would also be a good way to start. Yeah, I I agree Mm -hmm. um, with everything that you both said. You both probably captured that question really well. Um, it's basically like a cycle and as like as an individual your role to sort of is to sort of break that cycle and um, sometimes it's through journaling sometimes it's through speaking and I always have this motto with my friends or with my siblings where it's better out than in like if they're on the verge of tears I'm like just cry better out than keeping it in if they have something to say that like they just really want to rant about either write it down or just like blurt it out um, to someone that you trust, obviously. Um, and and I, I recommend that during these, these lockdown as well, um, like me and my friends constantly have like ranting sessions or um, sometimes I need to increase how much I write in my journal because we are living in a difficult time. Like humans aren't made to live um, secluded away from social interactions. So it's very important that we do implement some sort of self-care um, and, also have that compassion on yourself like I always um my psychologist like always says like don't be so harsh on yourself because everything you're feeling is completely valid and normal in a pandemic 
like your body right now is reacting how it should um from an evolutionary perspective this is how it would react if there was danger you'd feel sad you'd feel upset you'd feel lethargic like um it's very normal so sort of have that compassion with yourself um i think we we went so far away from the question but yeah that's basically that's what we said don't ask open-ended questions because we'll really continue this for the whole hour just about emotions yeah (laughs) i can tell i mean i'd love to be here for another for another hour but i mean i doubt someone would listen to a two and a half hour long podcast um so wrapping up would you what would be your final i guess advice for people viewing psychology um that may have negative opinions about psychology just like sort of wrap up or just just psychological advice in general very, very, very um, narrowly. This is a closed-ended question. <laughs> that makes sense. I kept doing. Yeah. Um, does anyone want to go first? Someone can just sum you it up, go. even. Okay. Um, So some advice for someone that's considering psychology, I would say go for it. Um, Honestly, consider it. It's it's a really good field, but just make sure that you're aware of what you're getting yourself into. And personally, the way that I feel like you can be aware, sometimes the information may not necessarily be online. So seek those people around you. I, I was one of those people that anytime I saw someone that had psychology in their bio on Instagram, I would literally message them and be like, hi, what's your experience on psychology? Like, what do you recommend? How did you um, deal with it? And I feel like just going through that um, and hearing people's perspectives really allowed me to understand that this was um, the route that I wanted to take. Um, but in general, I would just um, like just tips to sort of um, maintain some mental well-being is really to 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 to, to um, I don't know how to say this in like a concise way, but basically just have some compassion for yourself the same way that you would for someone else and the way that you do this is by imagining yourself talk like when something goes wrong imagining yourself talk and think would you ever tell what you're telling yourself in that moment to someone else like would you ever and I know everyone's self-talk can be so just harsh sometimes but I always like try to just get myself and interrupt that self-talk by by either doing something, um, by regulating my breathing, or just literally imagining a friend coming to me with the same problem, would I react this way? Um, no, I probably wouldn't because I'd probably lose that relationship. So I yeah. sort of um, just practice, like, if I was a friend, what would I tell um, myself? Well, like, what would I tell my younger sister if she had the same problem? Um, and And overall, I think that if you do feel like you are struggling, definitely reach out. Um, sometimes as humans, we feel like um, no one really cares about our struggles or that we're sort of impacting someone or um, like we don't want to waste their time. But humans thrive on social connections and humans Absolutely. need each other. Like we we definitely, if, if we didn't need each other, God wouldn't have created, like he would have just created one of us. But we, <laughs> we're created in communities. We're created in yeah. in like a whole range of groups and like reach out to each other, um, normalize talking about your struggles, normalize talking about your um, like your wins as well. 
Um, and I would say gratitude. Gratitude definitely is something that is life changing because like I have it on my wall right now. Um, an attitude of gratitude brings opportunities. And I, I have a gratitude journal that I've been using for the last three years. Just I, I'm not strict on myself by making it a daily task, but anytime I feel down or, or anytime I feel like I just want to write in it, um, I just write what I'm grateful for. And I have it all over my mirror as well, like the things that I'm grateful for. And um, just creating like an environment where you're able to realize like to, to interrupt your thoughts, interrupt the cycles. Um, and yeah, I I'm going to pass on to someone else now. Yeah, I want to <laughs> add on to Iman's point and say how important positive affirmations are. Um, yeah. You know, in this pandemic or even in our regular day to day, yes, there are people that that can identify that they're th- thinking negatively um, and there are negative thoughts, but people don't address them. I think that's really important. You need to address just like Iman gave the example, you know, about your arm, if it's injured, you won't wait. So at the end of the day, if you have realized that I'm having constant breakdowns, if I'm not able to do my daily task, and I have, you know, persistent low emotion for the last two, three months, you need to seek help. If not professionally, seek help amongst your family, amongst your amongst your friends. We're not here to promote you should go to a psychologist, but we're here to promote that you should address your negative thoughts. And I personally love positive affirmations. I think they're so important. Um, you know, standing in front of a mirror, that's my wrap-up final piece of advice, standing in front of a mirror and just, you know, saying yeah. why you are the best or you have done your best. Everyone has different affirmations and they can say that to themselves, especially during stressful times. Um, There can be chronic stress. It could be acute stress. It could only be for a while. Like I currently just had exams. And I think for me, it was all about positive affirmations that, you know, it's possible we can do it. um, Or, and I think you need to give credit to yourself once you've accomplished that um, task. And I think that's what psychology is all about. If you're interested in pursuing it, go for it. We've talked about all the benefits in it. And if you're interested in seeking help, I think it can be done at any level, whether it's friends, family, or a professional help. So yes, that's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, definitely. I think alongside okay. that as well, I think keeping tabs besides yourself, I think it would be important to keep tabs on others as well. Sometimes it's hard to read yourself when you're like, you know, it, your comfort is sometimes what's dangerous as well. So I think keeping tabs on your family, friends, and that even a simple question of like what you've been up to or how you feeling could be a stepping stone for them to start asking questions to themselves. So just kind of prompting um, questions is kind of, I think the main and most influential thing as well, prompting questions to people so they can think it's like kind of shaking, you know, the sparkly jars that we have. Um, so yeah, I think this podcast was definitely good to bounce off ideas. And I think it just goes to show um future topics that we can definitely delve more specific into so I think um I think it's definitely a broad spectrum that we can't fit definitely in an hour so but thank you to Sag the opportunity to to kind of talk about our passions thank thank you all for coming um I'm sure this has been a very informative podcast uh despite it being online I think we have I guess encapsulated the the greatness of psychology, um, both psychologists doing psychology. I hope so too. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Um, thank you. And yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity.